This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. And I'm Lawson Walters, and sitting beside me is Lyle Southwell, and this is Encounter with God on Faith FM. And we are continuing our show. Before we get into our Encounter with God, let's do a quick clue for the quiz. Let's do that. Okay, who am I? I am the son of Saul. There are two Sauls in the Bible. Yes, there are. You have to figure out. So, which Saul was around when, obviously, the Philistines were around at that time? Who had multiple sons. Who had multiple sons. Yeah. Who was that? But this one is the son of a rebellious and perverse woman. Yes. <laughs> I wonder whether this is more a statement of Saul's dysfunction or of his wife's dysfunction, or whether it was just a dysfunctional family. Yeah, because we know that this Saul was uh, or became definitely developed into a uh, a very dysfunctional, dysfunctional. individual um, as he progressed in his um, kinghood. I guess you would say deals with a mm. lot of um, you know. Yeah, it was pretty messed up there for a while. Yeah, until of course um, he was killed by the Philistines. Anyway, if you know the answer to this, if you know which one of Saul's sons it was, then you can give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number or text us on 491 I've seen the uh, phone has been ringing out there several times already, but uh, we haven't given any prizes away yet, so I'm assuming that nobody has answered with the correct answer. So give us a call now, 1-800-324-843. Which one of Saul's sons was this? Okay, we need to uh, get back into our subject of the covenant. So I'm going to do my reminder that I've been doing pretty much all week. I'll do it again tomorrow as well. That is this. If you are listening to the delayed broadcast and you would like to listen to the live show where you can participate in all of the fun things that happen here on the live show, then um, you can um, simply jump on your mobile device and download our new app, Faith FM Australia app. Mm. So just do a quick search, Faith FM Australia. It should pop to the top, not Faith FM America or any of those other Faith FMs, but Faith FM Australia. And there you'll be able to listen to us wherever you are. You'll have a perfect signal. You run it through your car stereo. You run it through your Bluetooth. You run it through your headset. You run it through your tape player insert for all of those of you who are driving dinosaur cars or classics. (laughs) Uh, Although my classic is too old to have that. My classic has an AM radio in it. Nice. And my other classic has nothing. Just the noise of the road. Because exactly, why why would you put an entertainment device in a commercial vehicle? I yeah. mean, that makes no sense at all, right? Truck drivers don't want to listen to the radio, do they? No, well, like, <laughs> I guess in I, so I my, disagree my, with my you. wife's my wife's fifty eight model car has an AM radio in it. Mm-hmm. That, by the way, still works. Still has its smoke inside of it. Um, nice. all, all electronic. All electronics are built with a certain amount of smoke inside of them, and it's the smoke that makes them work. Oh, there you go. I have I have conclusive proof that they run off smoke. <laughs> you know how I know this? How do you know that? Because when the smoke comes out, they stop working. 
<laughs> so, <it's, laughs> so if the smoke they stays all on the inside, run off smoke. Whatever the smoke is on the inside, yeah. you're good. You're good. They yeah. work. That is awesome. Yep. <laughs> all run off smoke. Okay. Um, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, but my truck, 1960 model truck, no radio, no radio, no tape player, no oh, nothing. Man, that would that would be. I, I, I've had a few cars in the past where, like, the, the radios broke down or whatever, and I'll, I'll just switch to the headphones. Just driving with the headphones in, and you look like such a bogan. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's the best, especially because those cars aren't classic cars either. It's like, you know, like... You know, a 2000 model Hyundai or something. Yeah, or, you know, 98 Jimny or a, or a, you know, a Commodore or a Camry or something. Some old thing. Some old thing that shouldn't have a broken down radio but does, so you're just listening with your headphones. And <laughs> <see the best. laughs> uh, anyway, if you are in that kind of a category, you can uh, listen to it with headphones or listen to it through a tape player insert and plug that into your auxiliary cord in your phone and away you go. You get a great signal anywhere. Mm. All right, so download the Faith FM radio app and uh, you will have an amazing experience, Faith FM experience right there when you talk talk about the covenants. We were talking about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. When was the Old Covenant made? Uh, at the bottom of Mount Sinai. When was the New Covenant made? At the... the, the Oh, man, because we've been... There's so many of them. So which is the which is the new Old Covenant? Which is okay, the so, Old so, New Covenant? So when covenant? we talk about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, we're talking about the Old Covenant is the uh, covenant of works where the people promise to yeah, serve yeah. God. And when we talk about the New Covenant, we're talking about the covenant of grace, which is the covenant of salvation. Mm, which is the covenant... So when was that made? Was that Genesis 3 or... Yes. Spe- you know, because then people are like, oh, no, the New Covenant is... I think it's Genesis 15 or Genesis 15 because it's like, you know, Abraham believed. It's, and there reiterated, was counted, it's reiterated yeah. to Abraham. Yeah. So so basically what you've got is the covenant is mentioned in a bunch of different – the new covenant is mentioned in a, in a bunch of different places in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Revelation 13 says that the new covenant has been around for like ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but each time it mentions it – so, for instance, you get Genesis chapter 3 is just sort of a brief – Side reference mm. to the New Covenant. You continue on from there. You have your uh, next reference. What was it? Genesis 9 or something or other. I did have it written down here somewhere. Genesis 9 verse 16. And then Genesis 17 verse 7. And each time the covenant is repeated, um, it's expanded and deepened. We learn more about it. Mm. We get more detail. Okay, so the Old Covenant was made at Mount Sinai. Before the giving of the Ten Commandments. The New Covenant was made from eternity past, is first mentioned in the Bible in Genesis chapter 3. How does that make any sense that one is called the Old and one is called the New? Well, I think it's... Shouldn't it be the other way around? It, well, it, I think Shouldn't the Old Covenant be the one of grace because it's always been here? The Old Covenant is like... It's like the one that we call the Old Covenant is the Old Covenant in the way that things that are old are usually faulty and broken, um, whereas I think the New Covenant should be called like the Everlasting Covenant because it's always existed. 
The Eternal Covenant. You really think that, do you? Yeah. It should be called the Everlasting Covenant. The Everlasting, the Eternal Covenant, the one that's that's always existed. Let's go to Hebrews 13 and verse 20. Oh, oh, I'm about to be I'm about to be smashed in the face. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, ding dong, your opinion's wrong. Oh, rough. Okay, what well, Ephesians 13 and verse 20. And the Bible says in oh, Ephesians, I think no, sorry, Hebrews. sorry, sorry, Hebrews, Hebrews 13 and verse 20, Hebrews, Hebrews 13 and verse 20, and uh, Lawson's just here preemptively smashing himself, that's okay, that's Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he be <laughs> equipped with all you need for doing his will, may he be equipped. May, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. So I'm just, I'm just right. Just, <laughs> You're just I, right. I, I'm just correct. Bask in it. <laughs> just, just sit there and bask for a moment because you are I did a thing. <laughs> 100% correct. <laughs> uh, no, that was awesome. It's actually okay. it's interesting because I love Hebrews chapter thirteen, but I've never thought about it in the eternal covenant. The eternal covenant, like um, oh, that's my awesome. translation says the everlasting covenant. Mm. Uh, there are another other verses. Why don't you go to Isaiah fifty five and verse three? Let's read what it says over there. Isaiah chapter fifty five. Verse 3. three. Man, this Bible is trained. That was quick. Isaiah 55, verse 3. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. I'll give you all the unfailing love I promise to David. There you go. So God comes to his people and says, Look, uh, if you think that I gave it, gave King David some everlasting uh, love, then mm. I want to give this to all of you. And so it's an expansion of the covenant to David to include everybody. Uh, God wants everybody to be saved, and what God wants everybody to experience that level and that kind of love. Mm. And so here's what we're finding. Once again, we're finding this contrast where the old covenant is actually a lot newer than the new covenant, which has been there from eternity past. And is going to be there, you know, for eternity future. Eternity future and has been there while ever beings with the power of choice have uh, been in the mind of God, which is for a very, very long time indeed. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so to understand why one is called the old and one is called the new, we need to stop looking at it through a Western mindset. Mm. So from a Western mindset, we are always going to uh, look at the origin. Mm -hmm. We need to look at it from a Middle Eastern mindset where you look at the completion. Yes, yes. Not the origin. Mm. And so a great example of that is uh, the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, which is the starting point for the 70 weeks prophecy. With a Western mindset, we always look at the origin and go to the decree of Cyrus who started that decree. Mm. And yet the Bible takes you to the decree of Artaxerxes Mm. who was the person who finished the decree. Yes. And in between you have the decree of Darius. You have three decrees right there. And to actually get an accurate computation from Daniel chapter 9 based on the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, you have to think opposite. You've got to think Middle Eastern and you've got to go to the completion and not to the origin. It's a little bit like this when we say, oh, I bought a house. 
Yeah. No, you didn't. The bank bought a house. Mm. You did not buy a house. That house belongs to the bank. Mm. Um, and so, you know, within biblical Middle Eastern you know, concept, you would say, well, um, I bought a house when you finish paying off for the mortgage, whereas in Western concept, we say we bought a house when um, we borrowed some money and actually took possession of and it. And that's how the financial crisis happened. And that's how the financial crisis <laughs> happened. That's right. Absolutely. Bank bought lots of houses and people didn't own them. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, where were we up to? What were we talking about? And so, in relationship to the old covenant. The old covenant and the new covenant. What we've got to look at is not so much when when they originated, because the new covenant originated from eternity past. The old covenant originated uh, at Mount Sinai. Mm. When were they completed? When were they ratified? When were they sealed? And we're going to find the answer to that if we flick in our Bibles over to, let's start with uh, the Old Covenant. So let's go to Exodus. When was it sealed? And how was it sealed? Uh, Let's go Exodus 24, verse 7 and 8. And the Bible says, Then he took the book of the covenant and read it aloud to the people. Again, they all responded, We will do Everything the Lord has commanded, we will obey. Then Moses took the blood from the basin and splattered it over the people, declaring, Look, this blood confirms the covenant the Lord has made with you in giving you these instructions. Okay, so here you have the old covenant, complete with its faulty promises, where the people say, Yeah, we'll do everything God says. They don't have the power to do that. Uh, So it's complete with its faulty promises. And... How was it sealed? How was it ratified? With the blood. Of a bull, in yes. this case. The blood of a bull. And that is sprinkled on the people. Um, it is a symbol that the, the covenant has been sealed. All right. Now let's come to the new covenant, which has been there forever. Mm-hmm. Which is actually super old in its origin. Yes. When was it sealed? Well, on the cross. Absolutely. It was sealed and completed on the cross, Mm. which was a long, 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 long time after this, like almost a couple of thousand years, you know, 1,500 years later, Mm. um, that the new covenant is sealed by Jesus Christ. And that's why it's called the new covenant. The old covenant was sealed first. The new covenant was sealed second. Um, and so um, we look look for uh, when these were sealed. All right. How was the new covenant sealed? With blood. With blood? Whose blood? Jesus' blood. Jesus' blood. That's right. There's a couple of side points here that are Mm. well worth considering in relationship to this. The word covenant is the same as the word testament, Mm. uh, which is why some people sort of look at the two testaments and go, oh, the Old Testament is the Old Covenant, the New Testament is the New Covenant. Eh, No, it doesn't quite work like that. No. Um, But the word covenant and testament are the same thing. And it is the same kind of thing that you have in relationship to a will. Mm. So when we refer to a will, we still have the opportunity of using the same language because we'll often refer to as somebody's last will and testament. Uh, when we use the word testament, we could, we're saying it's their last will and covenant. All right, what brings that will into force? What seals it? What ratifies it so it cannot be changed? When the person dies. When the person dies. 
And Paul uses this on a number of occasions to speak about the new covenant and to speak about the sealing or the ratifying of the new covenant. Let's look at it in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go to Hebrews 10. I'm there. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking and turning in my Bible at the same time, which is slowing me down. <laughs> Just got to stop thinking. Hebrews chapter 9. Let's go Hebrews chapter 9 and let's read uh, verse 16 and 17, please. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death, while the person who while the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. Okay, so um, let's say that your dad has left you some stuff in his will. I hope so. Can you go to your dad <laughs> and say, hey, I want the stuff you've left me in your will? No. No, not while he's still alive. That's not the purpose of will. That's not how a will works. Can your dad change his mind? Uh on what? Like- on, on, on his will. Like if, if he if today, if he decided, you know what, I want to change my mind on my will and I want to um, leave this to Lawson and these other things to his sisters and just sort of swap it around a bit. Yeah, yeah. Does sure. he have the freedom sure, to do that? Sure. I thought you meant like could he just decide to die today. I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, of course. Of course. Okay, so he, can, he has the freedom to do that. Yeah. Or about. All right. What about once he's dead? Can he change his will? No. Can you change his will? No. No. You can try. Yeah. I think less than 1% of contested wills succeed. Mm. It's one of the strongest legal documents that there is. Mm. Um, and contesting wills is basically just great money for lawyers. Mm. They're the only people who profit from a contested will. And so if you're thinking of contesting a will, don't bother. Just walk away. If your family's fighting and squabbling over it, just walk away. Mm. Just, you know, Whatever. You are better off to have your relationship with your family intact and your mental health intact than to have money in your pocket. Too many people I've seen destroy their lives trying to contest it. It's never going to happen, so just forget about it. Yeah. Okay, so this is one of the strongest legal documents that there is because it is sealed by death. Mm. And this is what Paul is saying. You know, right here, uh, verse seventeen, for a, where a testament or a will is a force, sorry, uh, is a force after men are dead. Uh, after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator lives. Mm. Um, and here, of course, he's talking about the two covenants. Let's then go to let's look at this principle again. Let's go to Galatians because this is going to be important to you know really our understanding of uh, of how scripture actually works. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3 and we will read verse 15. Galatians chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says, Dear brothers and sisters, here is an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. (coughs) Okay, so no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement. Mm. Uh, In my translation, it says, uh, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it is but a man's covenant. Mm. So like a will, if it is confirmed, how is it confirmed? By the death of the person who made that will. Um, no man 
uh, it says disannuls or adds to it. In other words, once that will has been sealed with death, uh, the death of a bull in the case of the Old Covenant, the death of Jesus Christ in the case of the New Covenant, once it has been sealed with death, there's no changing it. It's not going to happen. Forget about trying to change it. Which is most interesting. Because what it teaches is this. Everything that Jesus had to change to create the Christian church, he had to change before he died. Yes. Let me give you an example of this. When Jesus, uh, oh, yeah, we're kind of out of time. Maybe I'll give you an example of this when we come back. All these changes had to make before, take place before Jesus died. Anyway, Nathan Young, we're going to have written down in stone, which, of course, is all about the Ten Commandments. The law is just and the law is right. And it's written by God in stone. The law is love and the law is life. And it's written by God in stone. I will follow His commandments. I'll abide in Him alone For His law is my delight It's written down in stone Oh, it's written down in stone The law is holy, the law is
I was Nathan Young with Written Down in Stone here on Faith FM. Lawson, no one's got this clue yet. No. Oh, and this next, this next. Few attempts. This next clue mm-hmm. is about covenants. Cool. Yep. Okay. 1-800-324-843. I bet it's about a covenant we haven't even talked about. Yep. Okay. So we know this so we guy. this one. He's the son of Saul and he made a covenant with my friend David because I loved him. Okay. So Saul and David. Great mates right here made a covenant together. No. No. Saul's Saul, son, I should say. The son of David. Saul. Saul's son and David. <laughs> you thought you gave away the quiz just then and then you realized that you were just speaking heresy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew, what I, I knew what I was trying to say. Then I said it and then I've gone, wait a minute. What did I just say? <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. All right. All good. Saul's son and David were great mates and made a covenant. Who was Saul's son? Give us a call, 1-800-324-843, if you know the answer. Okay, we're talking about covenants right here. We're talking about how that uh, the death seals a covenant. Uh, the old covenant was sealed by the death of a bull, symbolizing Jesus Christ. The new covenant was, symbol- was uh, sealed by the death of uh, Jesus Christ himself. And that once a covenant has been sealed, you can't change it. One of the things I was about to point out before the... Uh, song break was an example of that. So Jesus comes to his disciples in the upper room and he has the last supper with them. He gives them the uh, cup of grape juice and he says, this is my blood, which is shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. He hands them the bread. He says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What meaning did this have for the disciples on that occasion? Um. Absolutely none. None whatsoever at all. no idea what's going on. It's like he has no idea what he's talking about. What do you mean, this is my body? How is bread a symbol of the body of Jesus Christ, and why would Jesus' body be broken? And why would they need to be doing something in remembrance of Jesus when Jesus is right there? The same with the grape juice. Why do they need this? Mm. You know, what's the purpose of this? What is Jesus even talking about? This service... To the disciples at this time is completely 100% meaningless. Mm. So why didn't Jesus do it on Sunday after the resurrection? If Jesus did it on Sunday after the resurrection, it would have the same incredibly deep and powerful meaning that it has for you and I every time we participate in communion. Mm. Well, of course, Jesus couldn't, as we've been talking about. 
what is what seals the covenant? What seals the yeah. the, the, the testament? It's so you can't change things. You can't change things after Jesus has died. Mm. You can't add to the new covenant. You can't take away from the new covenant. Mm. That is an impossibility. Which raises an interesting question in my mind. Because as a Seventh-day Adventist, we're a little bit different. We worship on Saturdays rather than Sundays. Um, and so that raises some discussions on occasions. And I've had discussions where people have said, oh, you know, if you worship on Saturday rather than Sunday, that means you're under the Old Covenant. And I've gone, really? Why do you worship on Sunday? And they said, we worship on Sunday in honor of the resurrection. That was, you know, when the disciples first worshipped on Sunday, it was in honor of the resurrection. So that's why we do it. And I'm like, okay. And the blood of Jesus sealed the new covenant, right? Well, yes, the blood of Jesus sealed the real new covenant. And Jesus died on Friday mm-hmm. and was resurrected on Sunday. Uh-huh. Therefore, Sunday was three days too late to be a part of the new covenant. Mm. You can't be a new covenant Christian and worship on Sunday. No, it's impossible. There's an impossibility because... Um, Sunday can never be part of the New Covenant because it came after, its significance came after the New Covenant was sealed by the death of Jesus. And you can't add anything to or take anything away from the New Covenant after Jesus has died. The Bible says this in multiple places. And it's interesting that, like, because we've talked about the New Covenant as being sealed at the cross, but it's something that is initiated as everlasting through time. And the Sabbath is one of those things that's had meaning and importance everlastingly oh, absolutely. through time. Absolutely. Like, and, and we're talking about times past and clearly prophetically, you know, you read Isaiah 66, times future as well. Like, so it's like, how could you possibly come to the conclusion that, especially from a covenant perspective, like, oh, yeah, the Sabbath isn't important anymore because, like, oh, Jesus died on the cross, we don't have to do that. It's like, well, if it was in. It's been important for all time and prophetically also all time. So, therefore, oh, I guess... So, the Sabbath was instituted in Eden. Uh, it was kept by God's people down through history. Uh, it was... Kept by Jesus. Kept by Jesus himself. He gave his example of it. It was kept by his disciples. It was kept by Christians right down through the last 2,000 years of Christian history. It will be kept for eternity in heaven, the Bible says. Uh, Jesus commanded us to keep the Sabbath at the end of time. And yet we find people say, oh, if you keep the Sabbath, you're under the Old Covenant. Well, no, Mm. not at all. Uh, That's an impossibility because impossible for Sunday or any other day of the week to be part of the New Covenant. Mm. So which raises the question, who's actually under the Old Covenant who's under the New? Uh, These are things that we need to stop and think about and to can consider. Okay, let's move on from uh, that particular point and let's look at some other interesting facets of the covenants. Uh, The Bible refers to the everlasting covenant and every time the Bible talks about the everlasting covenant, it expands and goes deeper on it, just as we were mentioning. Uh, The new and the old covenants, as they're often distinguished, do contain some of the same components. Yes. Okay. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 33. Jeremiah chapter 31. And, and, the, and the basic components are sanctification, reconciliation, mission, and justification. All big theological words. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 33. 33 the Bible says... 
But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Okay, so when we look at this, we find that it begins with sanctification. I will put my law in their mind and write it on their hearts. Mm. God wants... Okay, sanctification. What's the definition for the word sanctification? Um, to become perfect. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one way of putting it. How do you become perfect, Lawson? Um, by being a vegan. Okay, so sanctified, <laughs> sanctified by diet. Yes, amen. <laughs> that was that was heresy. That um, was heresy. Um, no, how do we become sanctified? Well, in the, in the true in the true sense, in the true Christian sanct- sanctification comes clearly here by you know God writing His laws on your heart. Yeah, you know, with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, the easy way to remember what the word sanctification means, if you are wondering, is it means to be sanctified. Mm. To be made into a saint. Yes. That does not require a beatification process. Mm. That does require the Holy Spirit coming into your heart and changing you into a new person. And it does require being forgiven of your sins. Mm. That's how you're made perfect in the eyes of God. You're never going to be perfect outside of the eyes of God because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from all of those sins. Yeah, sanctification, then reconciliation. I will be their God and they shall be my people. God, this is the whole purpose of uh, why Jesus came to this earth, was mm. to restore that broken connection with God because he loves us. Mm. What do we got coming up next there, Lawson, sons of Korah? Psalm 23, and then we'll have our question of the day after that. This is, uh, yeah, the sons of Korah.
Greetings from your local Warrigal Seven-Day British Church. My name is Tara. I am part of a prayer group that meets every Wednesday evening at 6.30 here at church. We would love to have you join us in discussions and prayer. We would love to have the privilege to pray for you and any other further prayer requests. We pray for the sick, the needy, and also our local community. The address again is 43 Mason Street, Warrigal. That's every Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Jim. 
was Linda Shelton with It's All About God. You're listening to Faith FM. Our breakfast show continues with the question of the day. Before we have the question of the day, we do need to congratulate Michael from the Bong, Kurumbong, where he has um, correctly answered with Jonathan, Jonathan, the son of Saul. Mm-hmm. Which he nearly gave away. Which I nearly, but I didn't. But you, did, but you didn't, and he won. So but I didn't. Man, praise the Lord. That's right. You know, God works in mysterious ways. I didn't give it away. <laughs> Here we go. Question of the day. Are you ready, Lyle? I'm ready. Why did God decide that the Jewish people would be his special chosen ones as opposed to all the other people and groups around the world? Especially knowing that to this day, the majority of Orthodox Jewish people still reject that Jesus is the Messiah. Yeah, really good question. Um, I think that we need to recognize, yes, the majority of Orthodox Jewish people do reject Jesus as the Messiah. That does not mean that the majority of Jewish people reject Jesus as the Messiah. I would say the majority of uh, Jewish people probably do accept Jesus as Messiah, even though I don't have stats on that, but I know so many Jewish people who are Christians. Um, God does see the end from the beginning, and the question probably should be worded, why did God choose the Israelite people? Mm. Uh, because Judah and Jews obviously only come from one tribe, and that's the tribe of Judah. Um, whereas God actually chose the entire nation of Israel to be his representatives. Okay, so um, if we go back and look at what God was doing here historically, basically what his intention was, was to demonstrate a formula a formula for success. And so he's looked at the world. The world has a relatively small population, maybe 250,000 people. Um, and he's like, all right, how am I going to demonstrate my formula for success? Obviously, that formula can be seen on an individual level. He says, but I need to demonstrate it corporately. And within that time space, the best way to do that was through a nation. And so he comes to Abraham. He chooses Abraham. Um, for a number of reasons, probably the primary or definitely the primary reason was Abraham's faithfulness. Mm. 
but also Abraham's geography. He doesn't have to move Abraham a long distance. He simply moves him to um, to uh, the land of uh, Palestine, mm. um, the land of Israel, and from the land of Iraq. So he moves him from Iraq to Israel and sets him up there. And when you look at a map of the world, effectively what God has done is placed Abraham at the crossroads of the then-known world, it's actually at the crossroads of three continents. So any trade, any movement of people between Asia, Europe, and Africa has to go through Israel. Mm. So it doesn't need to be a big nation. It doesn't need to. It just needs to be strategically located. And so, um, you know, you, you begin with the time of the flood. Civilization, you know, begins there in the uh, Euphrates, Tigris valleys, and basically spreads from there. It spreads west into Europe, it spreads east into Asia, and it spreads south down into Africa. Mm. And so, God has strategically located His people through Abraham, where these three continents cross, that are the inhabited part of the world at this particular time. Of course, you know, civilization then uh, spreads a lot further. Than that you know, the Americas, Australia, and so forth. Um, to other parts of the world. But initially, in Abraham's time, this is where it was. Now, let's come to the formula. There is a very, very simple formula, and we see it played out over and over and over again. There are lots of ways of turning your life into a train wreck. Becoming a servant of Jesus Christ is not one of them. Mm. You have people who I have never, ever yet met anyone who has destroyed their life by becoming a follower and following the example of Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Lots of people out there like, yeah, I can do it on my own. I'm good. You know, I I can do a great job in my life. I don't need God in my life. Yes, you do. You're just not facing a crisis yet. Mm. Crisis comes along. You're going to need Jesus. Mm. It's that simple. And you're going to need to become a follower of Jesus. Um, There are people who make it through life and we say, well, this person didn't turn their life into a train wreck. Yeah, but you got no guarantee. Hmm. And when somebody is a follower of Jesus and they have bad things happen, they're able to handle those through the power of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus strategically locates a nation in a strategic location where it can be a demonstration of his formula for success. When the population of the world grows, he changes that to the church and commissions the church to take that same formula to the entire planet. That's question of the day.
Back, guys, that was Anna Beden with It's Not You, It's Him. Amen. Here on Faith FM. Yes. We've come to the end of our show, Lyle. We have indeed, mm. which means we are about to give something away. Yes, we are. I'm about to give away an absolute classic. A, okay. A clanger. A, yep. A banger. 
or whatever you want to call it. Any, something awesome. Something, some amazing, amazing and great slang that means something incredible. That's what I have right here. And it is the book Steps to Jesus, the Ultimate Race Edition by Ellen G. White. Of course, we've been talking about covenants and specifically the new covenant, the covenant that God made from everlasting, from time past to everlasting time future that he would save us from sin. And he did that through the pers- person of Jesus Christ, who was himself. God and came down to uh, earth to save us. So yeah, this book is about getting to know Jesus better, taking those steps to living a life with Jesus. And if you want to go on that journey with Jesus today, give us a call 1-800-324-843 and you'll win this book completely for free. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or text us on 0491-064-669 for you, your free copy of this particular edition of Steps to Jesus, Steps to Jesus Christ. Uh, don't forget that we love to encourage you to study the Bible wherever mm. and whenever possible. And so if you would like assistance in studying the Bible in your home, then we will make that happen for you because we know people who know people. Uh, just give us a call, Amen. 1-800-324-843. Go on up to the mountain of mercy. To the crimson perpetual tide Kneel down on the shore Be thirsty no more Go under and be purified Follow Christ to the holy mountain Sinner sorry and wrecked by the fall Cleanse your heart and your soul Thirsty no more Go under and be purified 